The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, welcome to the Chronic Podcast. I'm your host, Ralph Malbro. We are joined only by our fearless leader, Dave Cariello. That's all we need. That's all we need. Kevin's got to work in St. Louis because they have some sort of senatorial debate. Um, So he's got to, I don't know, he's moderating it. Maybe if you watch local St. Louis public access TV, you'll see his 80-pound ass moderating a Senate debate. Um. Dave, the Saints are on a winning streak. They they won two weeks ago against San Diego. They didn't lose during the bye week, uh, so they have momentum. Um, they kind of lost. Everybody else in the NFC won. Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, you got to figure like either Seattle or San Francisco is going to be four and three, and Arizona looks like they're they have no quarterback. They're dead, and Philadelphia is firing coaches. So maybe nine and seven will get you in in the NFC. Dave, don't give up hope just yet. Uh, I think you're uh, dreaming there, buddy. I like to, I like I like to dream. It's late in the week. Uh, and Tulane won, so all things are possible. Yeah, baby. They did. They they. Uh, I had been riding them in my gambling pool. I just whoever plays Tulane, I didn't care what the point spread was. I would just pick them, and uh, usually Tulane would get beat like a dog, but they ended up winning. But congratulations to them. Um, this week the yeah. same. The Saints go to Tampa um, to face Tampa Bay and their coach, Greg Schiano, who um, I'll just call him. He he looks kind of like an asshole, Dave, doing his, you know, plays at the end of the game where teams are kneeling down. And he's like, we play hard. We play to the whistle. We play to the gun. Um, I'm okay with that. I was okay with that part. I mean, the thing is, I'm okay with it, too, except when there's like two seconds left in the game. Even if you cause a fumble, you're just going to have a giant pile up, and the game's going to be over anyway. But um, I have a feeling, Dave, that this week's game for the Saints uh, is going to be really interesting because uh, Tampa can't stop the pass, and the Saints don't run, which makes that that makes it interesting. And Tampa's offense sucks at throwing, and the Saints' defense can't stop anything. So, what's what do you what do you think is going to be the the one of the interesting things in this game as how it sort of progresses early? Uh, well, first of all, it doesn't really matter who's good at what or anything like that because I mean these are divisional opponents and uh, we know they always play each other tough. They know each other so well. Um, maybe the fact that Chiano is a new coach maybe that gives the Saints the advantage. Um, but uh, we know that Tampa Bay has got a pretty good run defense, fourth best in the league. Um, but that doesn't really matter because the Saints only like to run the ball eight or nine times a game. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me in the least if this was the game that the Saints actually decided um, that they wanted to, you know, run the ball a lot, even though, even though they know they're going against a. Uh, a highly ranked running defense. 
and, and maybe it's a smart thing to do because maybe that's exactly what uh, Tampa Bay isn't expecting. So, I mean, I, I have no idea. If history shows us anything, they're just going to throw the ball 50 sometimes and uh, hope that Drew Brees can win the game for them. And, uh, you know, it's Tampa, so, I mean, they're not, like, the greatest opponent in the, uh, on earth. So, you know, the Saints definitely have a chance. They definitely have a chance. And I think it's a huge, huge game because, I mean, if you're going to start 0-3 or 0-4, um, I, I think you've got to at least win every single one of your division games. I know they lost the early one to Carolina, so, I, I mean, <clears throat> I think if they want to go anywhere, they got to win all seven of their remaining divisional games at this point. So this yeah. is, you can consider it a, a must-win. Yeah, I mean, it's it, well, it's a must-win if you want to have even a glimmer of hope that they can climb out. Of, they can climb out of the abyss and get to anywhere from between seven and nine wins. You know, if you get to two and four, you can say, well, maybe they'll climb out and get get it to eight and eight or nine and seven. But if you go to one and five, I mean, you just pack it in. Um, but Dave, I, I feel like, and I feel like, I feel like if they want to have a. Uh, a winning season. I feel like they have to win four games in a row. I have to. I feel like they have to get back to four and four. Yeah. And, and get back to even, and then go beyond that. I, you know, I feel like if they lose another one or another two, and they're in the you know one and five, one and six, two and six, something like that. Um, I mean, that's just not going to work. I think they've got to win the next three games, get back to four and four. I, I think mentally that that'll that'll feel good for them, and that'll they'll kind of feel like they've got a blank slate again. Um, so I, I mean, I think that's what needs to happen, really. Yeah, and I mean, I just, I just think as you know, like you said, I mean, I'm not really thinking that playoffs are a possibility, but I do think for playoffs. for fans that you know, and I consider myself one that we have, I have, you know, we have tickets. We want the games to be fun. We want them to mean something at least. I think if you know, if they, it's not unreasonable for them to go to Tampa and win, and even go to Denver and win. Denver's no great shakes. I mean, so then they're three and four, and at least that Monday night game against the Eagle, the crowd will be jazzed and drunk and be like, "Hey, we've won three in a row. We'll win tonight on Monday night football in front of the nation and get to four and four, and then we'll be rolling." So I mean, you, that's why you want them to win. You want these get. You want at least to be able to trick yourself, Dave, into thinking these games matter. But like you say, once you get to one and six and two and six or three and seven, then it's like, you know what? It's the games are fun and you're not going to do anything else on Sunday. But they don't really mean shit. You're just hoping they win because you'd rather win than lose, but you're not playing for anything other than just for the for shits and giggles. But Dave, a little sad note, um the Aaron Cromer error is coming to an end uh this week. That's that, that's it. I, I wasn't aware. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, you know, respect for the guy for stepping in and you know doing the job and all that kind of stuff. But um, you know, I think he's. I think what this has proven is that he's just a a positional coach uh, or maybe a coordinator at best. But you know, some people got it, some people don't. As far as being a head coach in the NFL, and I mean, I just don't think he's got it, and that's fine. I mean, you know, not everybody can be a head coach, but I just think that Aaron Cromer. Uh, where he's at now is where he belongs. Well, you just proved my—you just proved the point of my whole column. I said he's the one—he's the person that's gotten screwed over the most from Bounty Gate because Sean Payton's going to coach another twenty years. Jonathan Vilma's career is basically over. You could argue Anthony Hargrove got screwed as much as Cromer because Anthony Hargrove teams don't think he's good enough to hold the roster spots for him while he's suspended and. He can't serve a suspend. He can't serve his suspension unless he's on a roster. So he's like double fucked. Um, but I think Cromer, he was on the track, Dave, to getting a 
head coaching job. He was getting interviews, you know, and people were like, hey, he's a one of Sean Payton's lieutenants. The Saints score a ton of points. We can hire that guy. Now he's got the stink of two and four on him as the guy that took over the 13 and three Saints and went two and four. He'll never get that walk well, off of him, Dave. He's, he's, he's never getting a head coaching job. No, and, and I mean, I mean, the offensive line this year is no great shakes either, I mean, to yeah. be honest with you. Uh, I mean, to be fair, I guess he's had way more on his plate, so it may have hampered his ability to coach just the offensive line guys if he's got to deal with the entire team and play calling and all that kind of stuff. Well, he's not play calling, but, uh, but I mean, you know, you saw the stats I put together in that wide yeah. degree set post, and I mean, the yeah. offensive line so far this year through five games has played worse than they have the last six, seven years. So, um, would love to see, would love to see the offensive line improve with him back as, as the positional coach there full time. Yeah, I mean, hope, hopefully they will, and hopefully, you know, they'll if, if they can win, they'll, they'll get a boost from from Joe Vitt being back. But you you brought up an interesting point about the, the offensive line struggling, and and my theory on this game, Dave, is that Tampa is going to play a lot of nickel and dime defense, and they're basically going to say that to the Saints, we dare you to run the football against a six and seven man front, and we don't think you can, and that's. Right. And that's how I think it, it, it's going to go. So, it, and I think the Saints need to uh, accept that challenge, and I think they need to run it right up the teeth of that defense. Uh, I'm, currently, I've got Pierre Thomas starting at running back on my fantasy team. <laughs> I, I know it sounds it goes against fantasy football logic. I mean, Pierre Thomas is not a highly ranked running back in the league just because of the way the Saints yeah. run their offense, and then he's got a horrible matchup going against the fourth uh, best running defense, but. I don't know why, but I've just got a feeling about this, and uh, I think he might have a big day, and that that doesn't mean just uh, catching passes, but I also mean on the ground. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think, you know, Tampa would, I think Tampa would be okay with even, I mean, they obviously didn't want, wouldn't want the Saints to run for 250 yards, but I think Tampa would be okay for the Saints getting running yards, because I don't think, I don't think Tampa wants it to be a shootout game. If it starts, if you've got a, if you tell me the winner of the game is going to have more than thirty points, to me, Dave, that really favors the Saints because I think. Uh, <laughs> no, maybe not. Well, I mean, the defense is just so bad. I mean, they're just so bad. The Patriots give up so many points, so so not necessarily. I mean, it could be a shootout, but you know, I'm sure Tampa Bay does definitely want to. Avoid that. I mean, any team playing the Saints wants to avoid any day, you know, any time the Saints uh, are going to be racking up a lot of points. That, that's you definitely want to avoid that. Um, I, I think my concern really would be, you know, earlier in the season when the Saints tanked and they dropped the first game to Washington and the second game to to Carolina. Everybody was saying, well, you know, it's because they're facing different quarterbacks, you know, they Roger Robert Griffin the third, he's mobile, Cam Newton, he's mobile, he can run, blah blah blah. Um and if those people were correct, then uh you know, Josh Freeman is a pretty mobile quarterback himself, so that could definitely be a concern. Yeah, and the thing the thing that almost worries me more about Josh Freeman is it's not so he he's mobile but he doesn't really run. He's got more of that Ben Roethlisberger where 
even with the Saints, they are, you know we we know they aren't going to have a consistent pass rush because look, shit, it's been five weeks, it hadn't appeared at all. They only get to the quarterback basically when they blitz. My concern is that they'll blitz him and they'll hit him, but he'll shake it off and throw a, throw a long pass, sort of like Roethlisberger does. That's my concern with Freeman, which um, at this point, if at this point, Dave, if if I if I said look. You've got to pick a guy on the Saints' defense besides Curtis Lofton that is playing above-average football. Could you give me a name? Um, Somebody on the defense that was playing above-average football. Um, Oh, Akeem Hicks. Uh, not, okay, well, let me. I mean, for their for for his for his talent level, or or I think for what maybe we could have expected, I think Akeem Hicks is playing above above that level, um, and I don't think that he's given enough of a chance. Well, he uh, might. It could be interesting. He might be. I mean, I'm thinking that I'm thinking the Saints are going to pull out all the stops to 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 slow the Tampa running game. So it seems like. Hicks and Buckley and and Cedric L. It seems like that's the package that they'll go with. So he might get some more playing time against the, the heavy run of Tampa. Yeah, I mean, I look at I look at player playing time after every game and what percentages. And I mean, Akeem Hicks. I'm always a little disappointed that he doesn't see more time. I mean, I know they've got a a rotation there, but um, I mean, Cedric Ellis just has not impressed me. And he's leaving after he's done after this year anyway. They're not re-signing him. I mean, not if he's playing this way. So, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, you know, you would think in a contract year like this for Cedric, he, he would want to be playing. He'd want to yeah. put together his best effort, so he can. So when it comes time to negotiate a new contract, he can point back to the last season and say, "Look, yeah. I just put up twelve, thirteen sacks for you guys," uh, and he's not doing that. So, you know. I, you always hear this from you always hear the cliches from the coaching staff. We're just going to put the best eleven guys on the field. Well, for me, per, for me personally, I feel like Akeem Hicks is uh, a better eleven than than Cedric Ellis. Well, and now, I, I, I know he's young. I know he's young. I'm not a football extra nose guy. I know he's young, and um, as far as um, grading out at the end of a game and and doing the little things, I'm sure Cedric Ellis is a veteran. Uh, so he knows these little things that I don't see that are going on out there that I don't see that, that Cedric Ellis maybe does and Akeem Hicks doesn't. But I feel like just from raw raw talent and and, and energy and motor, um, I do feel Akeem Hicks is, is higher on the totem pole there than Cedric Ellis. Well, and to me, Dave, and I mean I've said it, people who listen to the podcast probably think it's a broken record, but I don't even – at this point, and this is going to sound crazy, I don't even care if – if Akeem, if 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 uh, Hick, uh, Hicks is better than Ellis, because I know what Cedric Ellis is. He's been playing for the Saints for six years. He's an he's a average at best NFL defensive tackle. They picked him in the top ten. He's not a bust. He wasn't. They Jonathan, traded up to get him. What they traded up to get him. He's not a bust like Jonathan Sullivan, but he's just a guy. And if the Saints, if you accept the 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 belief that you, you and me and most people have that the Saints aren't it, it isn't happening this year they're not making a, they're not going to make a great run they're not going to go deep in the playoffs they're not going to Super Bowl so if you accept that I want to know about all these kids you know Hakeem 
Akeem Hicks, uh, Wilson, and Gallette. I want to know if any of these defensive players that the Saints keep saying have young and have talent and have potential, I don't know if they're worth a shit, Dave. And at the end of this year, if I can say Cam Jordan, he's a keeper. Gallette, he's a keeper. Martez Wilson sucks. Get rid of him. Hicks, he's a keeper. That, to me, is worthwhile. I don't want to go into 2013 saying, well, this is going to be the year Gallette's going to be good. Well, we'll play Wilson and see, and see how he does. Oh, Hicks, we'll, we'll give him a bunch of play time. He'll be good. Like, I want definite answers on these guys. So, in the offseason, we can say, you know what? The defensive line blows and we need a bunch of new guys. Or, you know what? The second half of the year, they played Junior Gallette, and they played Martez Wilson a ton, and they started getting sacked, and they started to not suck against the run. So maybe we just we have something there. I want definitive answers, and you can't get that unless they play. I want answers, damn it. You can't <laughs> handle the truth. <laughs> I do. And I want Seattle to make field goals, but they're not. Yeah, I'm looking at – I'm seeing – I mean, the thing is, is I don't know exactly – how many different defensive formations they use, but I'm looking at playing time for the last game against the Chargers, and wow, see, to be honest with you, how many defensive plays were there? So there were 69 total defensive plays, and as far as the linemen were concerned, Cam Jordan and Will Smith, defensive ends, they basically played the whole entire game. Yeah. They basically played in every game. And then Junior Gallette, as a defensive end, he played 57% of the defensive snap. And Martez Wilson played 42% of the snap. But your two defensive top, top defensive tackles were Cedric Ellis and Tom Johnson. Yeah. They each only played about 30%. Yeah. So that means seven, so for 70% of the plays, the Saints didn't even have a defensive tackle in there. Yeah, they didn't know. They did. I mean, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, they could have because then Akeem Hicks, Akeem Hicks, played twenty five percent. Yeah, no, I mean, they went. Steve Spagnuolo was basically was like San Diego, run the ball all you want. We, we're, I'm tired of quarterbacks sitting back there all day. I mean, they were basically in their pass rush. The Saints have two defenses. They have the one defense where they can get pressure on the quarterback, but they get obliterated by the they get, get obliterated by the run. And they have the, the the other defense that can stop the run, but the quarterback gets 10 seconds to throw. And basically, Steve Spagnola played the, the pass rush defense, and Norv Turner was too dumb to keep running the ball because San Diego was getting seven yards a clip. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I'm looking at this, and they didn't really utilize their defensive tackles that much. No, it's uh, – I mean, Steve Spagnuolo's in a t- – he's in – he. I don't envy that man because he's basically got to guess – if the other team is going to run or pass every play, because the Saints defense doesn't do anything structurally well in in the regular defense, so he's just got to throw shit against the wall and hope for the best. <laughs> Although looking at it, it looks like San Diego kind of ran a similar defense and did a similar rotation. Orlando well, Franklin was there was the most playing defensive tackle, and he only played 32% of the snaps. Well, I'm glad he's a failure and a disappointment for them, because he sure was yeah. for us. Yeah, they should have seen that one coming. <laughs> and we were, and of like all the Saints free agent moves that they made, besides Sproles, when they signed all the people, 
Franklin was the one that I was most excited about because all the stat nerds on Pro Football Focus and Football Outsiders were like, Abraham Franklin, he's really good against the run. I was like, yeah, that's a great signing. No, they just they should have set $4 million on fire. That's what they should have done. Or give, or given it to Steve Gleason at Gleason Graw. It would have been better spent. <laughs> <laughs> I, am not, I am not even kidding, Dave. Um <laughs> How? No, that's what they should do. Every year they should just not pay their lamest player and just donate it to the Gleason, Gleason Fund. That is a good idea, Dave. Um, how concerned are you going into the game Sunday that Lance Moore and Jimmy Graham and the injury sort of – how concerned are you that this, this banged-up offense might not just uh, – not that it's obviously it's not what it was last year, but how concerned are you that it could possibly really struggle because it's missing key component? It could be missing key parts. Um, yeah, I'm not that concerned. I mean, they've kind of been dealing with it a little bit uh, already, and uh, they've got Marcus Marcus Colson who's having a hell of a year on a half, uh, foot and a half. Yeah, they've got him. Uh, I mean, they figured out even when they're not playing. They're best. They're still yeah. a good offense compared to the rest of the league. So um, it's not really a big deal. I, I just, just, I just really want to see them start running the ball a little bit more. And not just, I, not just for your it. fantasy team. Not, it's, no, it's, it's not, not, not for my, you know, I could care less about that. I just, I just, I just really don't understand what the thinking here is. Yeah, I mean. You know, Carl Nix, he's he's sort of a offensive guard, so I don't know, you know, even if he has a great game, I don't necessarily think you, you'll notice it. Like with Meacham, he caught a couple of touchdowns against the Saints, and you have different guys. Um, how much of how much of a loss do you think he, he's been for the Saints? How much do you think he, losing him has affected what's going on with the offense? Well, I mean, I think the offensive line would certainly be – Better overall to have him. Um, you know his his big thing. He was always great as a pulling guard. You know on screen plays and and that kind of stuff. Um, but it, it, as far as the running game, it, it, it might have affected it, and perhaps that has something to do with it. The loss of Carl Nix. Maybe they just don't feel as comfortable or confident running the ball. Um, I don't know, but uh, you know. You can't pay everybody, and I, the Saints made a decision, and Mickey Lewis made a decision, and um, you know, if they had paid Carl Nix, maybe they wouldn't have been able to pay Colston. Um, yeah. So I, I don't. It's kind of tough to say. Well, they shouldn't have done that. I mean, there was only so much money to go around. But would I rather have Carl Nix on my team? Yeah, absolutely. He's a great guard, and may prefer him over Jari Evans, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, um, I think you know? the only argument you could make is you could say, well, I, w- I would have rathered the Saints keep Carl Nix and not do anything at linebacker. But, I mean, as crazy as it sounds... I mean, yeah, but where would we be without Curtis Watson? Yeah, I, I mean, this defense, it would be... It would be it would be an abomination. I mean, Dave, I already I can't even fathom how bad it would be without Lofton. I mean, I'm, to be honest with you, when you when you really think about it, I mean, for the last you know since probably 2006, every off season, every season, every year, 
Saints fans are always complaining about the linebackers. Oh my God, get better linebackers! Okay. Oh my God, the linebackers. But let me be honest with you: for the first time this this season, I feel like nobody's talking about the linebackers. Nobody's talking about the linebackers. I mean, Curtis Walton that- is obviously doing great. He's leading the team in tackles. Uh, but nobody's really like complaining about that Shanley. No, I'm, I'm not like screaming at the top of my screen saying, "Ah, oh, Shanley." I mean, like that really hasn't <laughs> happened that much this season. And but- David Hawthorne, whoever's on the other side. Uh, Will Herring, whoever, um, you know, it's been relatively quiet. You don't hear much about him. And to be honest with you, I think that might be a good thing. Well, the thing is, I, I think your, I think your, your theory is a little bit flawed because it's kind of like if your house burns down and you're walking through your burned out house and you're like, man. Don't have to worry about that toilet that leaks anymore. Like, I feel like the, the, the linebacker play, we're not noticing it as much because the rest of the defense sucks so bad. Like, yeah. it's, it's hard to... It's a brilliant analogy, and I think that's probably... I think it's, it's but I, but I, I, like your, I like your positive attitude. And look, I think Hawthorne, I'm not ready to say he's a bust because he's been hurt. I, I want to see that guy play for five weeks you know, at 80%, 90% healthy and put him in Lofton next to each other and see what they have, um, you know. Right. And, it, you know, it, and like you said, they, they did everything that we've been begging them to do since 2006. They signed, you know, the Chamberlain and they signed Lofton and they signed Hawthorne and two of them are hurt. And, you know, that's not Mickey Loomis's, you know, if they sat in a room and they said, hey, we're not going to re-sign Carl Nixon, we're going to take that money and we're going to get linebackers, you know, when they did, when they when they made that decision, nobody said, you know, but, but two of them are going to get hurt, and they didn't, and they said, oh yeah, that's probably true, but we're going to do it anyway. I mean, you know, that's just the way it goes. Um, as this, you know, you you've mentioned, hey, you think they're going to run the ball this 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 week, heavy doses. Is it okay. time? Is it time that we start having the discussion that? Mark Ingram is a bust. That what? That Mark Ingram is a bust. Oh man, that 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 conversation, huh? We want to go there. Well, I mean, I think I think it's time. I mean, I, I, you can argue, you, you know, you can argue that he's not, but I think it's. You're arguing that he is. I'm arguing that he is. I I, I think I, I've seen and enough. You think that he's been given a fair chance. I, I think he's been given a plenty. I've been, I've seen I've seen enough of him, Dave. To know that in my whole life watching NFL watching NFL running backs, that you can see them and you know right off if they've got it or they don't. Running backs is one of those positions; it just happens like that. You don't you don't develop over. You know, rarely do you see a running back that you're like, man, he stuck for three years, but that fourth year he really came on strong. Like that doesn't happen with running backs. And Mark Ingram, he just doesn't have the burst and the elusiveness. To be. But in all your years of, of watching NFL, have you ever seen a situation where a running back was on one team and didn't show anything, and it, and it didn't take necessarily a, a, another year, but it took necessarily going to another team? Have you ever seen a situation where a running back has, has been labeled a bust on one team and then gone to another team and found success? I don't know. I, I'm just thinking of somebody in mind. I'm thinking of this guy named Reggie Bush, because I feel yeah. like he's been doing pretty well. In Miami, since he left New Orleans, and if I might, if I remember correctly, I think we labeled him a bust in New Orleans. No. I think we, I, I think, yeah, I, no, 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 Ross, stay with me here now. Stay with me here now. I think I'm pretty sure that I remember pretty, pretty 
pretty sure that uh, it was official. They had a they had a little ceremony, um, <laughs> and Reggie Bush was officially stamped as a bust in New Orleans. And um, I wasn't part of that. He's on my he's on my fantasy team right now, and he's um, he's kicking he's ass. Man. He's kicking yeah. ass, Miami. I mean, I didn't label I label him a disappointment, not a bust. He helped the Saints win the Super Bowl. His issues, though, Dave, to me, were mostly health with the Saints. I mean, when you he had he had moments with the Saints that were spectacular, where he ran the two punt back he ran the two punts back against Minnesota. He had the big playoff game against Arizona. He had some, he had the game against against Dallas in 2006. I mean, you had you had. You know, you have probably six, seven moments of Reggie Bush where you were like, "That's awesome," and you're like, "That's why we picked that guy number two. Mark Ingram. I've seen things from Mark Ingram. I have seen things. Ralph, I know where you're going with this. I have seen things from Mark Ingram where I have been impressed. I'm not, my the whole argument, the reason I would never call Mark Ingram a bust, and I will never give him that label until more evidence is shown, because I do not feel like he has been given any chance whatsoever. If I'm Mark Ingram, Ingram, I'm thinking two things. I'm thinking. One, this sucks. I can't believe I'm on this team because <laughs> I mean I'm just sitting here. I'm not. I'm just not getting utilized. I, I'm, yeah. I'm my my talent and my potential is not being realized. Um, I mean it's great that we're on this great that I'm a part of this great offense, but I'm really not contributing and I'm not really given the chance to contribute. And the second thing I'm thinking is well, the good news is um, I'm not getting the wear and tear that I was getting in Alabama and. You know, at least maybe my career will last a little bit longer because I'm barely touching the ball. I'm barely running, um, and I haven't blown out my knee yet. So, you know, I, I think I think what is going to happen to Mark Ingram if they can if the Saints continue to do what they're doing is the same thing that's going to happen that happened with Reggie Bush. You know, people are going to hate him. People are going to say he's a bust. He's a bust. He's a bust. He's going to go to some other team that needs a running back and wants to use him like he's supposed to be used, and they're going to find great success with him. Well, we'll we'll see. I mean, I I I'll leave. I, I, to be honest with you, I, I mean, they have the Saints have they have an amazing quarterback. They have a great set of receivers. They have a great play calling, and I feel like they've got a freaking Lamborghini parked in their garage in Mark Ingram, and they never even take it out, and they don't even know what to do with it. Yeah, I think and that's it's, just... and it's so and it's so frustrating because what does this offense need? They need more balance, and they need to run the ball and. All I need, to, and if they do that, I am convinced that if they do that, it's going to help. It's just going to help everything else. It's going to help them pass better. It's going to make the passing game better. It's going to open up other things. It's going to keep defenses on their toes. And again, I hate to beat the drum on this tonight, but I just don't understand what's keeping them back. What's holding them back? Why they're not doing this? Yeah. I, when they, 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 it's not that they don't have the, 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 the personnel. They have the fucking personnel. They draft it up in the fucking first round of the draft just to get this guy. To do what with him? Let him collect dust. <laughs> Dave is fired up for Mark Ingram. It boggles my mind. Well, I'm supposed I... to interview him this Tuesday, by the way. And I'm hoping that maybe we're gonna, I'm going to get to do it next Tuesday. And, uh, and to be honest with you, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be straight forward. I'm going to ask him these questions. I'm going to ask him, do you feel like you're not getting, getting utilized properly? Yeah, I think... I think Are you one... disappointed that you were drafted by a team... That 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 has, you know, that focuses so much on on passing. I, if, if I get the chance to get him on the phone, I'm asking him these questions. Yeah, that, no, those are those are those are interesting questions, and I'll be interested to see how he's he responds. Give me, he's going to give me bullshit road answers. He's going to just well, say, "Oh man, I'm just, 
I'm just happy to be here in New Orleans. The fans are great. You know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, maybe, but, you know, maybe, but maybe sometimes players will give you the road answer, but sometimes they'll let their true feelings leak out a little bit. Um, the one thing I will say about Mark Ingram, and, and Andrew Juge brought this up on the Monday podcast, is that you know, the Saints, the last couple of games have started a little bit when he's in the game to most teams are like, Ingram's in the game, that means they're running. The Saints have done a few things where they're started to throw out of that formation, and I think that could really help them. If they have Mark Ingram in the game and they throw out of that formation just a couple of times, I think it'll loosen things up for Ingram. You know, I think probably the, this this sounds kind of counterintuitive, Dave, but I think probably the best thing for Mark Ingram would be to be in on a couple of plays early against Tampa and have Drew Brees hit Joe Morgan or Devery Henderson on a bomb or Dave Thomas or if Graham plays Graham down the seam deep, then Tampa will go, oh, shit, Mark Ingram's in the game and the Saints are throwing the ball. Maybe we ought to play pass defense when Ingram's in the game. And I think that could help him maybe get going. But I just – I worry if he doesn't see – he doesn't seem instinctive to me, you know. But, look, I'm I'm open to – instincts are getting dull sitting on the bench. Mark Ingram, I think, is the kind of running back – who needs to carry the ball like 15, at least 15, if not 20 times a game. I mean, yeah. there's there's a flow and a rhythm to, to football. I've never played it, but I know this. Yeah. And I've played other sports. I've played ice hockey. And, you know, it takes a little while to get warmed up. And, there's, you know, it, it once you're in, in the zone and you're, you know, going and, and you've got a feel for the defense and timing down and all that kind of stuff, I mean, then, you know, then you can start to maybe knock off large chunks. But... I mean, when you're just when you're going in on first down, getting the hands off, running, it, and then checking out for a couple of plays, and then coming back in on first down, I mean, you just there's no reason you can't get into that. Well, this, that brings up an interesting question then: over or under carries for Mark Ingram this week? Since we both think the Saints are going to run the ball heavily, over or under twelve carries for Mark Ingram? Under. This week? Because most of the carries will be probably three or ten. Oh. For, for 12 carries, Mark Ingram, under. For sure. Interesting. Seattle dropped another pass. Well well done, Seahawks. Um, I'm gonna say oh, I'm gonna say over, Dave. I have a feeling I I have a feeling the Saints are gonna run the shit out of the ball. Like I I could see one of those rare games where Drew Brees throws it less than 35 times. I could see like like. The people that are pro running game getting their dream, getting their dream scenario, you know, where you have 35 passes and 32 runs, like almost, almost even balance for the Saints. Mm, that would be nice. If 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 she's over 12, it's because she got a lot of handoffs and garbage time late in the fourth quarter. That's good too, though. <laughs> that uh, yeah, I mean you know, but it's not really given. You know, it's not really him getting into a rhythm and. Well, yeah, but I mean, but I mean, Dave, but but you know what though? If 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 Mark Ingram gets if Mark Ingram gets seventeen carries, let's say, and the Saints, you know, they end up winning thirty-five, and they and they win thirty-five to twenty, but eight of those carries were when the Saints were killing the clock. But he ends up having fifteen carries for ninety yards. I consider that one of his better games. And look. If he gets carries, even when they're killing clock or it's garbage time, whatever, if he's getting carries and making yards, to me, that's a positive step for him. So, 
That's not I, the thing is, is I mean, he he was getting a yeah. good amount of stories at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and it's sort of it's sort of dropped off. I still don't think he was getting enough carries or the right carries, but uh, but he was getting a, a, more carries in those first two games, I thought, than, than than the most recent games. Yeah, and it'll be interesting. You know, what would be interesting too for the Saints is, you know, I'd really be interested to see. I mean, I know they've played with the lead this year. Obviously, they beat San Diego and they had the big lead against Kansas City. But Kansas City, it kind of went wrong really fast. They've they've never really they've never had a lead where you really felt safe with it. Because even Kansas City, I mean, they got the lead, but then Charles scored the long touchdown and Drew Brees threw the pick, and you were, and then the panic set in. You've never had a, t- a time where the Saints were in the fourth quarter and they were up 10 and they had the ball, and you were like, all right, now they got the lead and they got the ball. Let's fucking run this ball and burn some clock. You know, you've right. n- they've never really been in that position. And I want to see what they – not only – if they can run the ball, but who they decide to run the ball with, because I think it's a really interesting test for Mark Ingram. Because I think Dave, you know, if they get in this game this weekend and they're up twenty-four or twenty-seven seventeen, and there's eight minutes to go, I want to see if they say, you know what, we're going big, Mark Ingram, get in there, and you're gonna, we're gonna run this clock down, and you're gonna get five to ten carries on this drive. I think, I think this that that'll be a a telltale sign of of if they still believe in Mark Ingram and if they still think he's a factor, going to be a factor on this team. All right, we'll see. Well, that leads me to my next thing. Uh, let's predict the game and what we're going to be talking about next week. So give me a prediction, your your <laughs> prediction on the game. We're going to be talking about Mark Ingram. <laughs> Why not? Um, and prediction, <clears throat> it'll be close. Uh, definitely. I'll go with... Uh, Thirty-five. Mm, I'll go with thirty-five, thirty. Ooh. I, think. I said twenty. And, uh, Who's going to be the MVP? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, Mark, Mark Ingram. What the hell? I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be twenty-seven, twenty-four. Garrett Hartley will make a late field goal, and um. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say your MVP is gonna be um, Pierre Thomas. Is gonna be Pierre Thomas is gonna be your guy, and 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 all the people that love to talk about balance, balance, balance. It's gonna be a wet dream for them, Dave, because Drew Brees is gonna throw the ball less than 35 times. Yeah, that's right. that's, that's my prediction. It could happen. It it could happen. It could happen. So. Uh, Dave, what do you have going on uh, tomorrow's special at Canal Street Chronicle? The normal uh, predictions. Yeah. Uh, anything? Anything yeah. else? Anything else exciting besides the next week uh, possible Mark Ingram interview? <laughs> I doubt that's going to happen. Uh, no, I don't, I've got nothing in the pipeline. So uh, you know, maybe my contributors will surprise me. But <laughs> for, for me, for me personally, uh, uh, no, I don't think so. How, how have you been enjoying Kevin Hill's, um I enjoy his I enjoy his power rankings because I, I I can just sense his anger as he's doing them. Like he gets like he get like as he has to figure out where to put Atlanta, he gets angrier and angrier. Almost like the Hulk. I imagine him like tearing off his shirt and like saying mean things about Mike Smith. So I, I enjoy I enjoy I enjoy Held. I, I wish he would be. I wish he would even ratchet up a notch because I, I the the. 
he cannot be too angry because when he's angry, he's like John McEnroe. If any tennis people out there, John McEnroe, the more pissed off he got, the better he played. And that's like held. He can't be too angry. There's no, there's no amount of anger that he could get that you're like, no, Kevin, tone it down a little bit. No, no. So, so, so Dave, we're hoping there'd be, we're hoping they're two and four, which is better than one and five, and we can get the Joe Vitt era kicked off. Uh, yeah, baby. I'm I, I am I'm really looking forward to the Joe Vitt era because I think the pre- I think the press conference and post game could be really really exciting. So uh, I, I agree. I can't believe I'm this excited about Joe Vitt coming back, but I am truly excited. Because <laughs> I think I think Joe Vitt. There's a, I mean I know it's it's not like he's going to get fired or anything, but I just think there's going to be this quality about him where he's going to be like ah this is my one shot to be a head coach. Fuck it, I don't give a, I don't give a shit, and he's just going to. Like the Monday press conference and the post game, not to throw players under the bus, but I think he'll say really funny shit, and he could get he could get into big trouble if like refs make bad calls, and and I just think I just think it has a it has the possibility to make this this horrible 2012 season a little bit lighter, a little bit more fun. So I'm really hopefully it won't disappoint us, but I'm with you. I I I'm really looking forward to the Joe Videra. Yep. Yeah. Alright, so for Dave Cariello, I'm Ralph Marlboro. We'll see you about 5 o'clock Sunday afternoon. Hopefully the Saints will be 2 and 4. Go to Canal Street Chronicles. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. 
Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.